And now, it's time for the show, This Old Dungeon. Good evening, Dungeoneers. We have another one-shot episode. Today, we have the infamous uh, James Shields, <laughs> illustrator extraordinaire, gamer, a uh, good buddy from North Texas. Uh, James, how are you doing tonight? I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing well. It's actually morning for me. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in Alaska, but, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. yeah I think so uh, we, four we have hour one, difference. one guest from England, so I think you're second on the, the furthest out, the furthest distance we've ever had a guest yeah. from, so... Yeah, and I, I don't trust um, I don't trust trust myself to do the math on on time zones. So I, I was like, okay, well, we're supposed to meet at this time, and so I Google it. Google was wrong. Uh, I, I was here for, I was here for like an hour. Uh, <laughs> I was like, how no one's showing up? And then so then I actually went to a converter. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, daylight savings. Daylight uh, savings. There, yeah. There, there's a there's a transition when, uh, when there's a part, time, part of the year where I am four four hours and there's another time of the year where i'm five hours and so i was like okay well yeah, my, my anyway. particular state did this crazy thing where the whole state's on daylight savings uh all on eastern time except for like this little tiny piece up in the north <laughs> and this little tiny piece down in the south and uh man it'll throw you through loop i had a, a convention once online that I, I was an hour off showing up to run a game because of that but anyhow so I appreciate you coming. I know, I mean, it's early morning for you compared to us. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you adjusting your schedule, Bill, make our program, man. Not a problem. I appreciate you adjusting your schedule uh, to allow me to come on. Oh, I'm, I'm on spring break, man. It's, it's all margaritas and, and uh, living you know, the life. Out in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, we always got to start when we got a new guest on asking you about, you know, what, how did you come to this crazy hobby of gaming? Uh, so you've you've met my dad, and uh, and my dad was into Dungeons and Dragons uh, when I was a kid, and he had a gaming group um, that would play, and and I liked the idea of it, and um, um, we never really talked about whether or not you know I could play, or and I had I had this uh, problem of not communicating, um, uh, <laughs> like I. Uh, yeah. And so he didn't know, you know, I had an interest, you know, I, um, but uh, it looked cool. And, uh, you know, I got to look at the books and look at the art. Um, he still has the very first miniature that I made for him um, <laughs> out of like hamster bark and um, a penny and a toothpick. And so I carved some a face and some stuff into it and glued it together. And so that's awesome. Um, um, uh, so that's how I got, first got introduced to it. And then um, in a high school, when uh, I, I became friends with some people that played and asked if I was interested, yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, um, I got uh, um, introduced to actual role playing and not just, you know, looking at all the, uh, <laughs> the wonderful things of the world in it. Um, and so, and I was hooked. Um, very first game because I know that that's going to be the uh, the, the question. I, I think the very first game I ever role playing game I played was uh, Vampire the Masquerade, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and that that can be enjoyable. Um, but what got, I really got hooked into um, was Marvel and Rifts, um, and so that's uh, that's how I got hooked into uh, the hobby. 
Now, now that that's just surprising to me because if if my timeline's right in my head, about the time Vampire the Masquerade shows up, um, Marvel's like you know covered in dust. I mean, that was five years before that. Um, is that something your dad had around, or how did you get turned around and into those games? Well, that, those are the games that um, uh, that my gaming group was already playing. Um, they they got started in like middle school. Uh-huh. And so that was about five years prior. Um, and so, and I think my, the game master was into it even, even before then. And so um, those seem to be the, the games that they played the most. Uh, there were several others that were, um, they get introduced through that um, and kind of, <laughs> kind of a more uh, obscure, like um, elf quest. Um, mm-hmm. was one that they, they played a good deal. We did play some, Palladium Fantasy, but that well, was never one that really got hooked in uh, into anybody. Um, it was the, the big ones were uh, Marvel and, and Rifts. I was just remembering a uh, our home games. This was probably six months ago or a year ago, but the small child of the people that host the game showed up with a, a Lego creature that he just <laughs> built and told us what all the special powers were. And of course we had to, you know, so whatever, I don't even remember what I was running, but somewhere in the middle of our, you know, our epic campaign, this thing appeared in the middle of the, of the dungeon. <laughs> it was freaking awesome. Yeah. The yeah. kids are the best, uh, the best source for, for cool monster designs. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're kind of biblical here. Cause you, you got kind of two origin stories that we need to cover. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you, you the, the origin of how you got into the gaming, how'd you get into art? Uh, okay. So um, uh, art, you know, I, I, you know, I did as a kid, um, uh, but as far as um, RPG artwork, which I think is the, the context that you're bringing up, um, I, uh, I went to, you know, in high school, I, I got hooked into uh, comic books and I wanted to illustrate the comic books. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I was ready to be done with school and get into uh, the workforce. And, and you know, I didn't want to do any more school, but my parents convinced me you know, at least get some education in, in case that doesn't um, uh, uh, come about. And so I was able to get a, a scholarship for the Art Institute of Dallas um, for um, graphic design. Uh, and so, yeah, and once I started going there, I realized, you know, I'm not learning anything comic book, or at least in my mind, uh, we weren't even doing storyboarding in which in my, in my head that that was the same thing, but it was, at least it was the closest thing. So, um, I was able to transition my, my scholarship from a graphic design scholarship to a um, computer animation one because they did storyboarding. Um, uh, and so I graduated from that. I worked in um, the computer game industry for about a year and a half. And then um, uh, the, co- the company that I was um, working for folded because they didn't know how to manage things. Um, and uh, <laughs> Too often the case. <laughs> yes. Um, and it was about that time that uh, there's a number of things that, that entered in, into my life where um, I didn't do anything art wise for about close to a decade um i mean i I did art but not like hey i'm pursuing this thing um Mm -hmm. and after my 
first deployment to Iraq, uh, my wife, um, you know, basically said to me, you know, God gave you this ability, you know, why aren't you using it? And so that was kind of the, 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 um, uh, the push to start getting into freelancing. And that was, and there was a huge bell curve in learning of that, but I jumped in, you know, I jumped all in and, um, um, and that was about 2012 and it took about, um, about a year for me to realize, Hey, I could be doing this for role-playing games. <laughs> and, uh, um, I, I think my very first one was a, was a job for rogue, uh, rogue game, rogue, rogue genius. Um, uh, the one, uh, the company that does colonial Gothic, okay. um, so there's some artwork out there that, you know, is nowhere near my current ability. <laughs> uh, cause it, I was trying to do like painterly stuff and, and, um, after a, a while, I wound up realizing, hey, I can go back to the inks that I loved uh, in, in high school, go back to uh, the things that inspired me in the very in the first place uh, works, uh, like especially the riffs, uh, um, wrist work like uh, uh, Ramon Perez. Oh, yeah. uh, and then that's my that's my huge that's my probably my, my biggest RPG art influence, aside from all the artwork that you know, inspired me uh, from, you know, uh, going through all the Dungeons and Dragons books that old school stuff and so um because of the time frame of when i was influenced with my art um then uh my my style has has lended very well to old school games and that's why i'm here (laughs) (laughs) now i didn't get a chance to to verify this but i'd heard before and i've i've seen evidence that i could believe it to be true Are, are you the most published uh clip art illustrator on drive through i don't know uh, i never i don't know how how to even tell if that's a pop you know, i would uh I, if this is true though um then that's that's really cool news i don't know i don't know uh you you have a list like like uh, man i want to try to think what the number was is, is like i want to say over like maybe 300 pieces i maybe <laughs> man oh you mean you mean the number of il- illustrations yeah, that are yeah. available oh yeah okay. spot our illustrations uh uh published versus um the number uh so oh so the question then let, let me clarify or, or like um uh so are you asking do well, i park ha- figure uh, how many pieces of spot art are out there and available for people to uh to, to purchase um 2200 oh geez <laughs> um, they're not all on drive through uh, yeah. because that is um, that's a beast to put stuff up. Uh, but if you go to jeshields.com, you'll see a little count at the very top. And so I give you a, an actual specific number um, instead of just hey ballpark. It, it gets updated every time, every every month as I add <laughs> um, a Patreon arc. Um, and now, now to, to be fair, and to, um, I, I prefer comparing apples to apples. Um, uh, so 2,255 pieces of illustration. Um, uh, some of those um, are, so a, an ink version versus a color version. Oh, okay. um, sure. So there's a little bit of overlap, uh, but the vast majority. So there may really only be like a thousand. Well, so there's a uh, 1,120 
inked um, illustrations. Um, oh, no, actually, let me rephrase that because um, <laughs> I have I, I differentiate between inked and line art. Um, and uh, and so because ink for me, the ink is the heavier blacks. Line art is tip, tip, is just like a color illustrate, you know, like you would like a coloring book. Right, right, right. So, um, but yeah, so there's a probably close to 1500 um, unique illustrations. Um, on, and then I do have some that are only color, but those are few and far between. Um, so, that's fantastic, yeah, the, man. 600, 687 color illustrations. And uh, I've, I've toyed with the idea of doing a Kickstarter just to color. Uh, the, the room, the other you know, thousand. Together. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, I, I know you you've, you're getting ready to do a Kickstarter, but you've had mm -hmm. projects before this aside from doing art for people. I mean, and, and I don't know if you want to kick around some of that and talk about some of the, the companies you've worked for art wise. I mean, I know you know Planet X and and uh, and uh, oh, Mud Puppy Games. I think had you in uh, mm -hmm. their books and yeah. You're all over the place in the small publishing world, but I don't know if you want to kick around some of those names, but uh, I eventually want to get to, you know, what, what other projects have you done personally? Because I know you've had a few of those prior to what we're going to talk about today. Right. Um, so uh, I, I have a lot of um, credits because people use my, um, my work. And just because someone doesn't hire me, uh, directly doesn't mean that they're not contributing to to my um, my live, livelihood or even to a certain degree some um, commission wise uh, because I have my patreon and uh, there there are some that um, that's where they support me and that's where um, when I when I do do a, when I do a call for stock art ideas which it's been a while but um, that I will illustrate you know, for them. And so there's a, there's a small way in, in which they can commission me without commissioning me, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, you did mention Levi and uh, Planet X and, and he is uh, probably my biggest cheerleader. Uh, just love that guy. Um, <laughs> but as far as, as commission work, um, I primarily focus on the independent publishing world. And, and I can talk about the philosophy behind that. Um, but, uh, I've got, um, you know, trying to go through all the different names. Uh, I, uh, I think the, 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 the biggest shout out that I would give first is the barrel rider, get barrel rider games, uh, with James Spawn. Um, uh, I really feel like he's the one who kind of put me on the map, uh, uh, outside of, um, you know, when I, when I was first getting in and, and his love for my work, um, then there is, there's, a, there's one that I will shout out as far as uh, one that I have really, really enjoyed working with, and that is Mickey Barfield and Polyhedral Knights. Um, and, and he's a smaller publisher, but my experience with him has really kind of defined why I like working with, public, with independent publishers and, and, and the, the method that I, that I love the most. Um, because... <sighs> For, for working with him, all he would ever really give me was a concept, like usually even less than a sentence. <laughs> um, and then 
that gave me freedom to um, to create within a structure, but allow uh, my, myself to be able to draw outside the box. Um, for and my favorite example of this, and it's, it's, I, I know I've talked about this elsewhere, but um, I, I have a few favorite examples, I should say. Um, one was uh, he wanted a um, a bard, and uh, what is he? I forget the. Um, um, forget the the adjective that he had with with that um, but it allowed me to kind of explore other cultures and other concepts so I've got out there an African rock bard uh, <laughs> uh, you know and influencing you know having the influence of, of, of that culture and then there was an, there was another um, where he wanted a a noble a nobleman you know with a flintlock pistol and uh, and a um, and a rapier and a and wound up having some uh, middle, uh, some some Indian, like India influence there, and so I really like that one. But I think my favorite example was he wanted a, a creepy child with maybe a, with a, a bloody knife and glowing eyes, and and for me that's very true, you know. And there's and it's when it comes to stock art, there's probably loads of those out there. <laughs> um, um, and without him even, you know, asking me, I said, okay, how can we push this envelope? You know, what, you know, of course we're going to have creepy child, but, um, uh, you know, but why, a uh, why, you know, why a knife? We always have knives. Those are, those are easy to draw. Uh, where can I push this? And so I went with a hole puncher. Um, and then, <laughs> so there's a, it's a creepy child with a hole puncher, you know, with a bloody hole puncher. Um, and the, the glowy the glowy eyes is, is also very true. But and the, and the concept of the of the glowy eyes is it's meant for you to realize oh that there's more to this than 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 just a you know a sick kid. Um, and and so when you look at it, um, the, ver the the first thing that you see is just you know a creepy child with um, with a bloody hole puncher. And then uh, there then you do a double take because there's something about it. Um, and the the child's mouth is you know it has a normal mouth, but you you look and it looks like she's wearing a choker. But when you pay attention, uh, that, that double take, you realize oh, that's the mouth. You know, so there's the, the the teeth are in there and and, and so forth. And so <laughs> that's what I love about working with independent publishers. Like I, I can go and I can work for an established company, right? Um, but um, the the be the beholder has already been established. You know, we know what that looks like. The owlbear. Uh, those sorts of things, but um, I get to, you know, when I work with independent publishers, I get to bring their ideas um, to a physical form for the very first time and be the one to 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 explore the that 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 area. Um, uh, and so, I know that wasn't the direction you asked. Oh no, no, it's <laughs> fascinating. You know, it's you know uh, that, that idea of the, the the frontier there, working on the frontier and and and. and being able to develop something that's, that's new and unique and, and put a stamp on something. You know, I, I get that a whole lot. You know, I, I can appreciate that mentality. Um, real quick. Uh, let's pop back to your Patreon real quick. Um, I know as a small publisher, uh, a lot of my friends are part of that and it has a lot of benefits. And I think we have a few listeners that are dabbling in small publishing right now. So mm -hmm. tell us about that and, and, and what you get with that and, and why it's such a, an economical, uh, way of getting some art for a small publisher um so uh so I, I do a patreon and actually i was the very first um stock art patreon uh, on uh, on that platform 
Uh, and so I kind of pioneered um, the uh, the methods that worked. And so there are some that are doing it better than me, uh, maybe because they're better artists or uh, <laughs> or have a better style that, that for what's popular right now. Um, but um, it, uh, it was always a little bit of a roller coaster as I try to uh, figure out what what you know what's going to work for this. And, and so, um, uh, so I've been doing it since 2013, I believe. So, um, so it's been out there for, for quite a while. Um, and the, the purpose of it initially was to create uh, a way in which I could give back to the, um, uh, to the hobby and to independent publishers uh, for giving me the hobby that I have. Um, and so, and to kind of meet them halfway in uh, between um, having to always use stock art, which is already out there, maybe has already been used a whole bunch, um, and commission work. Um, uh, and so uh, it's kind of morphed over over time, but it still is um, a platform where independent publishers can have access to kind of a more exclusive stock. Um, um, I, I'm probably seven, eight years backlogged for uh, drive-through products, like uh, as far as stock that I could I could put on there, um, but it's all on my website, um, jeshields.com. Uh, patrons, um, I have several. I have a few different platform. Uh, sorry, uh, pledge levels. Uh, one is for just the uh, the the inked illustrations, uh, and the other one is for the color illustrations. Uh, color illustrations is I think is like 25 a month, um, and you get 10 color illustrations. Uh, that I've created that month. In addition to that, you also get um, stock art credit on my website um, to go on there and and uh, download um, uh, artwork, uh, purchase it if you you know if you will with that stock art credit. Because um, my mindset was, you know, there are some of my my patrons who um, who don't don't really use uh, who who might not necessarily be able to use what I've created in a given month. But at least they're every month they're they're able to get something, um, mm -hmm. and it 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 accrues. Um, and I have like the vast majority. Of, I don't give a shout out to my patrons. The vast majority of my patrons don't even use my stock art credit. And they're just there to support me, which is amazing. Uh, but I've you know because I've got you know I've got one person who's got hundreds of dollars in <laughs> stock art credit that they're not using, um, and so. Um, that's uh, uh, that's kind of in a, in a nutshell uh, what uh, what it is and what you get out of it. Um, I, I create ten illustrations a month. Um, uh, some some sometimes I will uh, do a call for stock art ideas, um, but over time it's it's been more freeing that uh, for me to be able to create what um, what inspires me. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll go back and forth. Uh, if I'm if I, if I go through a, a while where I'm like, hey, I really need some some, some cool ideas or or uh, and so forth and so, uh, that's the that's the benefit of the, of the stock art uh, platform. That's awesome. Have there been some changes uh, as you sort of pioneered this and now you're seeing other people on the platform with you trying to do similar things? Has there been some sort of give and take between you and some of the other creators on how you're, you know, working with? Um, Patreon and how to sort of make an exciting or a interesting back and forth with the patrons. Um, 
I think so. Uh, not so much in um, uh, with other creators. You know, we have talked, but um, what I noticed was um, you know, w when they came on, they basically were doing the same thing that I've been doing, where uh, patrons submit ideas, they um, and they get stock art credit, um, and then you know that they can uh, exchange for um, for illustrations. Uh, I feel like I do it one better um, because um, mine is all automated. You don't have to submit a list of, of illustrations that you, you know, you don't have to go through my catalog and, and keep track of, uh, of your, you know, how much credit do you have left and then submit an illustration. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, then I send you links. It's all uh, handled on the website. You, um, you, you have coupons that are that equate to dollar amounts on your credit. You throw it into your um, uh, your um, your cart. You check out, and it uses those credits, and then you can you immediately have access to those downloads. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I did see kind of that um, uh, that roller coaster of um, of interaction with patrons, and um, and uh, most of my interaction has kind of pulled off of that of that platform in the sense of, you know, it used to be a, um, um, a lot of my, you know, we would have conversations on there, but there's this kind of in this drift that that's another place where people have to go, uh, you know, yeah. as far as social media, if you will. And, and uh, I could probably do it one better of having a, a centralized location, but it's hard to, it's hard to pick because, not everybody uses Facebook, not everybody uses Discord. And so those are kind of the two places um, that, I, um, that I interact with my, with my patrons. I think that my preference would be to do something a little bit more public um, mm -hmm. uh, and then just give sway to my patrons by, by being able to identify uh, them when they, when they, when they uh, give a suggestion or, 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 or so forth. But yeah, I uh, hope, cool. hope I answered that question. Yeah, definitely. So getting into your project that you have coming up here, uh, launching possibly today, anytime now, uh, depending <laughs> on when I get this edited and put out there, um, what you got and, uh, and, and tell us all about it here. Sure. So um, over the past year, and I, so I'm, I like to build my, my front porch before stepping in the door. Um, over the past year, about a year ago, um, I decided to step away from full-time freelancing because I wanted to try and provide for my family um, in a more stable way. And so I took a, a full-time employment outside of this community. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and that was okay. And it was, it was good. It allowed us to be able to get into the house we're in. And, uh, and, I, and I, I learned skills outside of, you know, skills I didn't have before um, that's, that are gonna benefit me uh, now, but um, every every week, every month, I miss this community um, and, and interacting. And this, I'd be working, and be like, man, I miss my community. And and so uh, it finally came came to a head where it's like, you know, I'm I'm working for a company and doing things that I really don't care about. You know, you know, at the end of my you know, at the end of my life is, do I want to have given my 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 life for what they were um, uh, producing and, and, and no, you know, I, I, I didn't. 
Um, and so um, decided to give my notice and I gave them plenty. Um, and, uh, and so today, literally today is my first day back. Uh, wow. So um, <laughs> yesterday was my, my, my last day and uh, I knew stepping in back into um, into creating for the RPG community full time, um, that I would need new projects. And I've always kind of tried to balance, uh, commission work with, um, the, the projects that I'm doing. Um, and so I have done some Kickstarters. I do my Patreon. Um, but this time I decided not to keep put it all into one basket as far as, um, doing commission slash, stock illustrations. Uh, I'm now finally also stepping into self-publishing. And, uh, and I knew that, uh, hey, I want, I want to publish something. Um, and so I'm starting with something easy. I'm starting with a, with a zine and I plan for it to, for this not to be the only one, uh, I plan to do several a year. Um, but this one is mates, monsters and character encounters issue number one. Um, yeah, actually, issue number zero zero one, uh, and hopefully that gives you a, a hint. Of, you forget uh, it's got a thousand uh, stock art. Uh, you'll get there. Uh, you'll use all the <laughs> um, But as I was putting that my that Kickstarter together, um, and, and uh, one of the one of the skills I learned over the past year, um, and we we're talking about this before before we uh, went live, is um, uh, the company hired me because of my knowledge with. Adobe Photoshop, not realizing that I did not have the skill that they actually wanted, which was Adobe Illustrator, not, not Illustrator, mm -hmm. um, um, Adobe InDesign. InDesign. Oh, InDesign, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, fortunately, um, uh, the, the Photoshop and InDesign have a lot of similarities, so I was able to ramp up really, really quickly, and they were none the wiser. Um, <laughs> and so, but now I have this, the, I have this skill set. Um, that I could I could do uh, something really nice um, uh, as far as layout and 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 and, and easily um, and so um, I'm doing monsters and character encounters and uh, and that's what this uh, this project is it's um, uh, and I'll, I'll pause there because as I was putting it together I realized that this could also be a stock art project uh, because uh, they're going to be, they're all original monsters. Um, and so uh, the, uh, the vast majority of them are going to be also brand new illustrations. Um, and so uh, I get to both create for the general RPG public, but still continue to um, give back to independent publishers for giving me uh, the hobby that I have. Will the, uh, as I was thinking about this as you were talking about that, um, will the design of the monsters, as far as the, the stats and, and, you know, ecology and all that, mm -hmm. will they be available as well? So, like, let's say, you know, I just love your, you know, whatever monster it is, uh, would there be a chance for me to pay to, to get the image and to, to use its stats in an in a adventure I ride or something like that? That's, that's interesting because I you know, hadn't even uh, um, considered that. And uh, I'm probably the easiest stock art license type of person. Um, and, uh, and so that, that, that philosophy uh, would also, um, uh, for me, um, 
I would take that in, into that and say, absolutely, yes. I don't, I don't care if you, uh, if you take the, um, the monster stat block, the descriptions, the treasure, I don't care. Um, uh, I, I create things for people to enjoy, not for me to have some sort of tight control of, uh, <laughs> of how you, you know, implement you know, the, the monsters and how they get displayed. And, you know, uh, for me, it's have fun with it. You know, um, most, many artists wouldn't, wouldn't say this, but like for my ink, my, 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 my ink stock art, I allow you to color it. So long as you credit who, who colored it, don't give me the credit if you colored it, <laughs> <laughs> especially if you, <laughs> no. Uh, so, uh, um, so yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind at all if someone uh, wanted to uh, to follow this along, and instead of having to uh, write all write all that stuff out, be able to, be able to take that um, take the the stuff that's already written and put it into their game. Um, so uh, with that, I'll I'll pause here and and, and say because uh, I I, pr I was pretty sure that I sent you the link that that where you could see the layout of of monsters and so forth. But in case you didn't, I'm going to do something that I said I was going to do. Um, and live on on your show, I'm going to press the button. I know it's Whoa. not going to be live because I know it's not going to be, be live because you, it's, it's going to come out later. But, but live for uh, us, going to go live for the two of you exclusively. Um, wow! To uh, to see it uh, to launch. So I know that this is not the best time. This is not the best day. But uh, I, I don't care. So. But it means you get two backers right off the top, and that's sort of exciting. Uh, assuming that the two of you are, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. I was, I had no assumption that that would. So I, it says I am ready to launch, and I'm going to click this. Uh, okay, and it's going to go until um, Friday, April 14th, and I'm going to launch. You know, yeah, this is actually a little bit uh, nerve-wracking because typically I like to go over the entire page and, and be sure that I'm ready and, and in case there's some little last-minute changes, but not today. Launched! Uh, uh, okay, pressed it. We'll see. I'll, I'll wait for my that. browser to update, man. Oh. Me too, I know. We gotta... All right. That's gotta so while, while I'm waiting for this to come up on screen, uh, go ahead and, and since it's an audio podcast, anyhow. Uh, talk us through it. Like, like, what are what are we going to see as we're flipping through the zine? How does it start? Uh, I'm a minimal. I, I am a minimalist in design, um, and 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 so that uh, sometimes that's that's frustrating because uh, I, I'm creating this from the idea of ease of use. Uh, I don't like the idea. Like, I love I love the old school world and the old school creations and and even the old school feels of the monsters and types of things. But honestly, when looking at, at monster stats and descriptions and stuff, it, it, a lot of times it reads like a a a, a, a wall of text. Um, and so when you when you look at um, the layout of every uh, every monster, it's only going to be one monster per page. Um, and it will be, it will start off very clearly their, their given name, you know, the name that the, um, uh, the people in your world would actually call them versus their, their actual name um, that, that they might have. So I have a scientific name. I call it scientific because that's not a word uh, and neither are <laughs> theirs. Um, and so like the whole, uh, uh, you know, like Linnaeus sort of thing, like the two part nomenclature, all that kind of thing. 
Oh, I've got three. Yeah, three. So the, the, the one that you'll see when, when it finally loads for you, uh, as an example, is the Gore Ox. Yes. Gore, G-O-R-E. Um, I see it. And, it's gory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. Of course, it. underneath that, you see um, its little scientific name, Gorox bovini tenticulus. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then immediately you, you get the number uh, underneath that of, you know, how many are going to appear, mm. what, you know, what they are. Um, so one to two large chaotic neutral creatures, um, you get a, um, just a, a brief introduction to what they are. So this one uh, says that these dungeon scavengers forge for the dead or wounded and graze on rotten flesh. They are never aggressive unless provoked and rarely display fear. Their tough, dark hide is covered with infectious sores. Um, and so that's it for the description. Uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, we can talk about ecology and all these sorts of things, but honestly, most game masters are not going to use that. Mm -hmm. They're going to import this thing and, and let it mold into their world. Um, and, and a lot of interaction is, let's just kill it. But, uh, <laughs> but not, uh, and, and a lot of players, you know, don't get into that stuff. Uh, so all, you know, you really only need flavor. Um, a, a little bit of a hint of flavor for you to for you to develop on that. So that's my my mentality towards monsters. Um, and so right next to that that description that description, um, you have a box with uh, very clear, easy to read armor, hit dice, thaco uh, or thaco, depending on how you want to pronounce it, morale <laughs> and move. And then you've got um, you've got uh, stats for both. Um, uh, Ascending like, and descending, yeah. Yes, old OSC versus BX versus you know it, this is designed for old school games, and so there's two columns, and so you can see the the, the two different very clearly which one is which. Yeah. I mean, yep. this this um, is such a crisp layout for a. It for is a it's really clean. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I wanted you. I wanted to. Okay, what's important? What's most important? And then go down from there as you interact with it. And so the very yep. next part you have uh, is their attacks, if they do get into combat with it, um, the different types of attacks. And then um, it tells how many you have. So get, this one gets two hoof attacks, um, uh, one gore and one tendril. Um, and then those are listed down uh, underneath that. And then also any of and so then their special abilities. Um, uh, I did not do for this what a lot of um, old school stat blocks do of um, when you go into defenses, so many will say special, and then you got to go back, go and go and read what it is. Uh, as, as opposed to, there just is a special, and you can read it right there. So there yeah. for this one. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I need access. Um, Let me. Uh, we're going to get into, I think, talking about creature design some. But one of the things that pops into my head right now because I run into it a lot, you've sort of set up this. Uh, template basically right this is how this is what your stat block looks like and it's it's awesome did you have um some creatures that you were creating and you're like man it just doesn't fit and maybe it's something weird like maybe it has a spell saving throw that's sometimes a 16 and sometimes a 14 or maybe it has uh, a variable morale or maybe it has a swim speed instead of just a move or 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 maybe your special suddenly was you know like did you sort of because there's, there's two choices there, right? You can either create your creatures to fit your stat block, or you can be flexible with your stat block and say, okay, well, this creature doesn't fit the mold that I've created. I'm going to break the mold for this one. And I don't care if page 14 looks different from all the other pages. And I'm just sort of curious how you sort of fought that battle. 
Um, uh, mine is going to be more of uh, we're going to mold the monsters to fit. I've got two okay. two. Um, I believe in consistency, mm-hmm. um, uh, even design and uh, uh, design wise. Um, and uh, and so if it was something that, for instance, um, its spell save was different because of a condition, well, that's going to that's a, it's going to say that in the special. That's what that's designed for. Um, and so I do have one other layout because the one that, that impacts me the most is not all monsters are horizontal uh, layout. Oh, and so yeah. I've got a vertical version, uh, that's, that is just to this, but rearranged a slightly different. Um, gotcha. So the art, what, you mean the vertical art and then you yeah. rearrange the text around it to, yeah, it makes sense. Right. Right. Are we looking at a, this is a, uh, digest size page here or is yes, this it is. By Yeah. It's this side. This is digest. This is nice. I got in before you, by the way, Lou. What's that? I got in before you, by the way. <laughs> Thank you for being my very first on there. I think this may be the first time I've been the first backer. That's exciting. Hey, Lou, what about you? You you uh, you recently went through the same thing. What's your? How did you uh, handle that same that same issue? Of sort of I had molding to be pretty flexible or? because um, it, I mean, the particular game system I was writing for DCC has a lot of swing to it, and there can be yeah. some. Uh, in DCC, like spell type effects are very random. They require their own chart. Um, some of the uh, spawn sort of thing, or not spawn, I mean uh, swarm. Some Swarms, of the swarm type yeah. effects have a chart to go with them. So uh, I tried to keep things the same, but kind of like what you were saying, when I hit that odd monster, it's like, well, no, this, this guy's different. He's going have to have to have something different. I, I would do it different for that one, but then kind of you know put a little little bookmark there and be like okay if i come to something else that's similar i'm going to do it just like i did this one uh so there's i think maybe four different layouts uh within the the book that i did so i've been fighting it we've been working for some years on a uh this is not from the artistic side but on a computer-based creature creator and creature database and it's so easy for 95% of the stuff. And then the 5% is, you know, four times as much work as anything else. Cause there's so there's just these weird special exceptions that show up in whatever system you're, you're writing for. So I've been thinking a lot about, about conformity of creatures and how we balance the idea of consistency, ease of use, and the sort of aesthetics of that versus the, the big RPG idea of you can try anything, right. Which should also be true from the creator side of you can create anything and get it in your game somehow. Um, and so I feel that tension is, uh, <laughs> is pretty strong when you're on the publishing side as well as at the table. Yeah. yeah. One of the questions I had about designing a monster book, um, did you James and then, uh, to you, Edwin, also from, from how you guys do things, did you kind of just be like, oh, these are some cool ideas for monsters I have, and this is where I'm going? Or did you have like categories of types of monsters you were looking to get, maybe even like challenge levels and trying to you know find a variety? I mean, I guess being in a zine, you're a little more able to just go with the flow and, and do something different next time, but thoughts on that? Uh, I wouldn't go first on that one, then I'll, I'll give mine. Sure. I mean, we, uh, I mean, I guess our general uh, mode for making a 
uh, bestiary has really been what creatures do we have? And then going from there, looking for themes, looking for challenge ratings or holes in challenge rating or holes in environment. Uh, so it's, it sort of starts random and then we're looking for anything, we any sort of pattern or something we can build off of that. And then we say, oh, here's a nice way of organizing this particular set. And this inspires us to create these 20 other creatures because we had these three dragons and wouldn't it be cool to have 15 more or you know we have this uh this great thing for water uh you know water-based creatures let's let's push on that a little bit harder um so i think it's less it's or organic in the, the beginning of these are things we've published these are things we've needed for various adventures let's bring those together and then let's look at those and look for holes in the in the bestiary where we can sort of expand it in a comfortable way yeah um for for me it's um i i wanted to create a library of of monster encounters that step outside the box um like i talked about even you know what i do art wise uh, i want to do that um design wise i didn't want uh, a, one of the problems i i i see in a lot of um you know, bestiaries um, uh, is that a lot of the monsters are just the same. It was just, you know, here's another thing that can attack you and do damage. Maybe it has uh, this unique thing about it, you know, what it looks like or, you know, where you're going to find it or whatever. But it's, it's the same problem that you have in MMOs where it's like, okay, yeah, I, you know, I'm, just, I just hit the monster until it dies. I just hit the monster until it dies, or it's going to attack me until, until I die. And, and, and so every monster that I'm putting in here is designed to pre present a different type of problem. Um, and, and so every, mo every, um, every monster in here is going to have three things, uh, maybe four, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's going to have its attacks, and that's, it's attacks and stat blocks, and that's just a given. Um, but the, the other three things it's going to have are rumors, their traps and their treasures. And we'll get into those a little bit more in just a little bit, but um, the problem that they pose is, is supposed to be outside of, I'm just gonna attack you. Um, uh, for instance, this Gorox, it, it doesn't attack you, unless of course you're gonna provoke it, but it's huge and it blocks up the, it blocks up hallways. Um, and, interacting with it means that you might have, you know, wind up getting infected with some sort of disease. And so now how do you deal with this thing that's in your way, especially if you're running from, you know, X number of monsters from the, down the court. <laughs> right. The skeletons are coming after you and you run into this thing like, ah, right. Right. No, or you just know, Hey, I, I need to go down here. How do you know, how do we interact with this thing? How do we, how do we get past this thing? Cause it, it's also curious. It's looking for food. And, and if you get near it, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's going to try and interact with you. Are you food? Are you not? Uh, and now roll for disease. Uh, so uh, every one of them are, are going to, you know, have things, that are like that, where I get to step out outside of the box creatively to create a different type of encounter that players haven't had, uh, more than likely haven't had uh, to deal with before, at least or at least new scenarios um, uh, and inter interactions. So, in the I, the rumors thing is is kind of fun. Um, do you, in your mind, are these rumors true or are these 
could be true. I noticed they're not in the stat block. Like you've got the rumors and the things that the rumors say are not also in the stat block. And so I'm assuming it's sort of up to the GM to decide. Uh, so for example, the Goroks, we have not affected by disease or mental influence. We have immune to flame and heat and then treating wounded creatures as food. And none of that is in the is in the stat block, which I think is really nice because then I can choose which of those three, one, two, three, zero, or all of the above, him, whatever. Yeah. Just... Yeah. So uh, initially, that rumor spot was going to be just, hey, notes about this creature. Then I, was, uh, then I realized well, this, this doesn't have to be true. And then I'm also, I, I'm planning to present three different kind of facts. Um, and uh, and that does probably have to be some sort of note prior to so people understand the, 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 the concept here. Um, but I'm going to have basically three facts and it's going to be up to the game master, um, which are true, which are not. And that also allows for a level of interaction of knowledge that characters might have. And so if they do roll for their knowledge, um, if, um, if they, uh, if they, they fumble, they fumble, <laughs> then, then you get to pick one of these and, and tell you, you know, and this is what you know about it, right? Um, or if they succeed, um, then they might know the first one, maybe two, and uh, but if they get a critical, they might not, they might not know all three. Um, and for the truth of those, and what I mean by that is, uh, this very first one says Gorok, uh, Goroxin, which is the plural form of Gorox, <laughs> um, are not affected by disease nor mental influence. Now, if you as a game master decided that that wasn't true, um, then then you could let them know that they are affected by disease, they are affected by mental influence, um, which would imply that these characters may but may also be dying if they're all you know covered in disease. I don't know. Um, and then mm -hmm. they are immune to all flames and heat. And so if that is true for you as a game master, then you can let them know that they are. And if they, if they get they succeed to this level, uh, it, but um, or if they're not, uh, and so that do you have levels of uh, of knowledge that you can um, allow them to, to, to know based upon the success of interacting and, and figuring out what they know. Um, I really like the rumors portion of it. There, there was something similar to that. I, not, I can't remember if it was rumors or something like that, where it gave you that, that little piece of story depth uh, when they released the fourth edition monster manual. And that was one thing, you know, I wasn't really big on that system. But that was one thing I noticed they did. I was like, ah, that's really clever. I really like that. And so again, you know, plugging it into your world, giving you, you know, some some thoughts on what you could do with this creature, uh, and then the treasure table below it. I thought that was really clever too to have it all there on one sheet. You don't have to go to the front of the book to roll on a treasure table. It's it tells you right there for that monster what sort of things you're going to find, including uh, including organs and stuff like that that are useful. Yeah, yeah, um, and part of that was. Uh, uh, Serendipitous is not the word I'm looking for, but it was just something organic that came out of um, design process. I wanted every monster is going to have um, traps and treasures. And when I came to uh, the Gorox, I'm like, well, what do they have? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like <laughs> a lot of fantasy worlds. Okay, well, you find, you find three gold. Where did I find three gold in this Gorox? <laughs> it doesn't have pockets. Um, don't know. I'm not searching. I'm not scrounging uh, out of this thing. And so, what's more more likely? Uh, so every every monster gonna, is gonna is gonna have an auto. You see that list there. You automatically will get this. 
um, when uh, from defeating it. And then there's the randomness of what else were, were we able to salvage after interacting uh, with this? Because um, and so like this the example in here, if you roll a, a one to ten on a d20, uh, you're gonna get four hooves that are impervious to fire and heat. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, then there's a little gold value that I attach to that, and all of them have, will have a gold value that I give it. But uh, game masters are good enough to be able to come up to with their own prices um, on on things. If you roll 11 to 15, you get its brain. You know you sal you salvaged enough of the brain from you. You know you didn't destroy the brain when you killed it, right? Um, and uh, this one is particularly fun because the brain, if eaten, uh, gives grants immunity versus mental. Um, for 46 months, but you have oh. to say death. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then 16 to 18, you get its saliva gland, and you can grant 46 uses of their toxin on any weapon. And then, of course, 19 to 20, you get two eyeballs that are worthless, except for creating <laughs> potions of madness. Uh, so there's, uh, uh, I didn't, I, so I don't, I don't, uh, same, same thing with, 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 um, treasure design. Um, so much of the treasure, uh, you know, that, that, that I see, um, magic items are different, a little bit different, but, uh, you know, I wanted it to be something that's going to add more flavor, more things that you would not have necessarily maybe you maybe thought of, or don't already exist in, in, in the world. And so I love providing things that um, allow players to think outside the box. And so if they have four hooves that are impervious to fire and heat, that means I've got two players that can strap these to their feet and walk across, you know, uh, walk on lava. <laughs> right. Uh, that sort of thing that like, Hey, I could do this. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, cool. that's design for, the, for the treasures there. Can you, uh, before we carry on again, I, I still feel like there's a loose jack. I don't know, Lou, are you hearing it? or Zippy zap again. Let me see if I, I don't, can. I don't uh, think it's your beard. It really really sounds more like a crossed wire. Maybe there's an electrical wire near a sound cable. or I don't know if anything has changed recently, but I feel like it's... Is it still there? Right now. <laughs> oh, I yes. Wrote it is there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, let me with see. our high production standards, I don't know if we can go on with this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not if we can't fix it, we can't fix it. But it's just yeah. we can take a minute just to see if we can do see, something. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah, hopefully, it wasn't uh, over over the the conversation. It, it came in just a, a little bit before Edwin first mentioned it. Uh, it hadn't been in the earlier part. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's quiet enough. I mean, it's under the thing, and I assume you still get separate lines for the three yeah. converse, the three audio. So we'll at least be able. We can edit it out when you're not talking, or when I say we, I mean Lou. Uh, I can edit it out when uh, when you're not talking. Uh, but it is, I think, part of also your your vocal line. So is it still there? Yeah. Is there yeah. Like a, a real Are you on a laptop? I think we're good. Maybe. Oh, it a little bit <laughs> it's still there. It's still there. Yeah. Oh, well. we'll, we'll All right. We'll carry on. on. Big deal. Carry on. Um, one of the things I was thinking, um, so you're doing both the design and the art, which is, is just fantastic in, in the sense that like, you know what you want, right? When you go to draw. Um, whereas, you know, a guy like me, you know, Schmo, 
I got to try to describe things to artists to get what I'm picturing in my mind. Now that's, you know, the downside to that. But the upside of that is every now and then the artist sends back something that's different than what I had in my mind, but is just a fantastic leap in a direction I never thought of. Um, what, what do you think about that? Um, that's my favorite thing uh, with, uh, as, a, as a, a stock illustrator, um, that I get to create things that inspire. Um, and um, and I, I like that interaction for, um, for the independent publisher. Uh, and like, so the, my wife, I will sometimes color my illustrations, just the, the base, you know, kind of like a, a coloring book sort of thing. And she asked me, what is this? And I'll say, I don't know. <laughs> um, like, I, I, I know the, the concept of what I drew in the sense of, you know, it's this box thing, maybe on a sci-fi um, character, that, you know, a, a unique uh, design thing. But I don't know what it does. Um, because I'm, you know, I'm not putting any stat blocks to it. I'm not, you know, I don't, and so it's, it, it's there to, uh, to inspire. And so as, as now stepping into this side of things, um, I get the benefit of both worlds. Um, so the, the, the Gorox, and I know we'll talk about, um, uh, uh, Kickstarters and, and project progress and all that, but the Gorox, uh, that illustration was something that I already had as an illustration. Um, and uh, I wanted to, to be able to provide something to show this is, uh, I want something very quick to be able to show this is what, um, you can expect in, in my projects. And so, um, the, the design of this monster was originally just, you've got something that just blocks your way. Um, and then as I began working through that, you know, it's got the, these nasty tendril things. And so then that inspired of. It's not just the fact that it's in your way, but it's it's anything within a, a vicinity. So even if you get close to it, you're uh, you're in danger of uh, getting you know uh, prodded by these these tendrils as it's trying to forage for food. And so um, I, I'm not I'm to mention enjoying... the, the whole look of the thing's horrific. I mean, you're going to have characters that you know just on sites like it's it's evil, kill it, kill it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I love. Um, I love that that a, 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 um, a game master can just show the illustration. And what, what I have designed is that um, you don't have to do a whole lot of fancy covering up of the, of the page to f figure out how to show this to the player. It, the, the illustration does take a good chunk of, of the page um, so that it's plenty to be able to flip it around and say, this is what you see you know, mm -hmm. uh, in the hallway ahead of you. The tendrils are, are, uh, are extending out your way. What are you doing? Yeah, and so I quickly get him in this this horrendous thing. Uh, but yeah, the, as far as your as far as your answer, you know, the question the, the question to your <laughs> the answer to your question is that I get the the, uh, the best of both worlds. That I can be inspired by what I've already created, but I can also create um, to this specific monster. And also, what I love about as an artist, um, there are uh, times and, and what I enjoy the most is that I don't always have something very specific when I begin sitting down and, and illustrating. Um, this is true when I'm doing, especially when I'm just doing, when I'm drawing just to draw. And sometimes I do that um, just for uh, my patrons, for, for something I'm going to create for them. I'm drawing just to draw. And then as I sketch, something emerges. Um, and then the, the inspiration that comes out of that. Uh, so I feel like 
being the independent now being an independent publisher is going to uh, let me do and have the best of both sides of that one of the things that i think you know making a monster book you fight against is the power spiral now i think an earlier comment you made probably answers this question but uh you know, he's on you the weird avoid... spiral, not on the power spiral. What's that? He's on the weird spiral as opposed to the power <laughs> spiral. It's just every well, yeah, creature's yeah. got to be a little bit weirder than the other ones. It doesn't <laughs> have to be stronger, which I which I think is an awesome different direction. It's a more interesting direction mm-hmm. to take it in. That's for sure. So, so for the listeners, like if you don't already know this, you know, you're writing this monster book and you're like, oh, you know, this monster's really tough. I'm going to give him five hit dice. Mm-hmm. A couple mm-hmm. monsters later. Oh, this is a really tough monster. I'm going to give him six hit dice. And then the monster that comes, you know, in the Z section or whatever, uh, oh, he's got 20 hit dice, you know, uh, <laughs> and that's, you know, oversimplification. But but you do have to make a conscious effort as you're designing to to keep things from spiraling. Um, you know, you talked about how you're not really, you know, you don't want bags of hit points and, and you know, attacks. That's not your design for monsters. You're looking for, you know, problems that they they provide for the the uh, you know party or what have you. How do you, are you still kind of cognizant of, you know, the weirdness spiral, as, as Edwin called it, uh, of trying to outdo, you know, each one a little more more fantastic than the last or whatever? I mean, how do you manage that kind of thing? Um, that's, that's a good thing to, to bring up. I don't know that it, that is something I, I would say is like a conscious thing of bringing forward, but I think my design process mitigates that um mm-hmm. i'm um uh, you know because i was you know was introduced to um rifts um uh and 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 in case uh, the listener is not aware that rifts doesn't try to balance anything uh the world is unbalanced uh, encounters are unbalanced and so i'm not trying to have this perfect balance that uh uh in in in, in my world but balance is different than spiral right mm-hmm. um and so uh, my my approach is more of how is this different? How is this encounter going to be different? And um, you know, like for for instance, you know, this this character doesn't have to. You know, I didn't plan for this character to just be uh, you know have a whole bunch of hit points necessarily, um, but I did want it to be very hard um, to defeat because it's just a it's this it's this block this 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 um, this obstacle that you have to over uh, to overcome um, that's not simply well we just we just attack it and move on fireball it and move on um, and so uh, for me it's more of you know I, I have different dials that I can that I can I, that I, I, I can tweak um, I don't have any problem with having a one hit die creature but like that has you know uh, an 18 uh, for 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 armor class, for assuming ascending, right? right. Um, <laughs> um, you know, car- creatures are more than just a simple. Ideally, just like people are are, are more are more than just a, a simple number, right? Uh, car- uh, creatures, at least in my design, is is more than just a reskinned ox yeah. or bear or anything like that. I mean, we can you can do that all day long and just reskin something, um, uh, but um, rather creating encounters that are different, uh, is, 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 is my goal. And I'm, and for me, it's not necessarily weird. Uh, like I don't need, um, uh, you know, Levi 
Combs is, is very uh, um, he's, on, he's on weird yeah <laughs> being weird um, mine is I want something unique something different you know what you know when you're when you're delving through a dungeon what's going to cause you as a player a problem and the um, a, a, a new type of problem to encounter and for me the the epitome of that is the rust monster right yep. it's it, it poses a problem that just attacking it with your with your with your sword is not the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the um, the angle that I'm that I'm coming on. What uh, that I'm coming coming to this project with? What type of problems can can I introduce that um, that are now puzzles to interact with? And how can I um, also reward players with unique things if they do overcome them? You know, if they do wind up taking these out. Um, uh, you know, I, there's lots of little things that, I, that I'm trying to introduce that can create new types of encounters. Because just because you come across this one time doesn't mean you can't come up, come up, come away from it uh, with a different type of um, result mm-hmm. next time. So mm-hmm. you can have a you can have a party that is just trying to get in and get out, and now they have to deal with this thing. There are other that others that might be trying to. Um, um, collect, clean out and take over, or collect, or whatever. Yeah, collect stuff. You know, hey, you know, I know, I know that the, you know, I'm a magic user, and I know the Goroks, um, or actually, that even I, we know we're going to go up against this big bad. That if we don't defeat, uh, um, and he's got these horrific mental mind control attacks or whatever, but the Goroks. Right. The, if I eat that brain, and survive. So that, now you have another reason to go delving. It's not just mm. let's go treasure. Let's you know uh, there there are different elements to add to that. So yeah, I like that. I, I feel like I approach that same type of thing from the two sides. So you're sort of talking about uh, you know what sort of different types of uh, wrenches can I throw in the way, which I think is always a good thing to think about when you're writing adventure or creating creature or magic, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Uh, I also occasionally think about it from the character side of let me imagine uh, a character who has decided that they are really good at X. How can I reward, you know, can I come up with an encounter in some way that re- rewards that, uh, that character that says they are a sailor? Okay. What, what is that? How can we help, you know, how can we allow that to shine or whatever? So it's sort of the two, two sides of the same coin, I think of, coming up with different types of problems on the one side or coming up with different types of solutions and allowing that to inspire the problem uh, on the other. So that's, that's fun. Yeah. I like that. Cause I think that's really for me anyway, when I'm trying to make sure that I'm not making the same white bread over and over again, I'm, I really, you know, I sort of try to look at the entire character, the, the entire party, and say, okay, this is these are the kinds of people that go down into dungeons, and what do they have about them that could be fun to play with? You know, how can we, how can we affect this type of their the character? How can we affect their equipment? So like that's the rust monster thing. How can we use their equipment? How can that ten foot pole really come in? Can we can we create something where they will come up with a beautiful beautiful answer because they happen to have a ten foot pole with them? Or you know whatever. Or the reverse, you have to have a ten foot pole. And what's the worst thing that you could? <laughs> exactly right. Where do we have that ten foot pole trap? <laughs> <laughs>
one of the things uh, we talked about prior to recording was this idea of, of you know, how do you use Kickstarter? Um, there are people right now, and, and I'm, you know, I believe however you want to use it's great. You know, I, this, what I'm about to say is not a comment uh, meant to incite the people that are doing this. I, um, but there are people right now, and it seems to be something I've heard a lot of lately that are saying, oh, you know, I come to Kickstarter with everything ready to go. Like as soon as my project, uh, as soon as the campaign is over, I'm shipping these products out. And uh, I think that's fascinating as, as, as a person, you know, supporting a campaign. I love it, right? To get my stuff, boom, right away. But as somebody using it to, to create products, I, I can't do that. I mean, I, you know, I, I've got to pay artists. I've got to, you know, I've, I've got things that are kind of in motion that I need to see what the, uh, you know, how, how big of a support I'm going to have before I know how much further to go into a book as far as like, do I add these extra 20 pages of content or is there support enough to, to you know, balance that out on a production fee. So uh, I guess what I'm trying to get at is where are you as far as this product goes and, and what do you think about that mindset of whether you should come to Kickstarter with things pretty much ready to go or at what point are you ready for it? What, what are your thoughts? Um, so I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, and, and I really thought when you began to, to, to speak that you were going to go the other direction because it is so prolifically um, uh, mentioned and brought up that, you know, have the whole thing done, be ready to, to, to give it as soon as, as soon as people, um, uh, as soon as the project funds. Um, but for me, that's not the platform. This, yeah. this is, this is not a, this is not a storefront. Um, uh, this is, uh, the platform was designed to be able to uh, enable people to create something that doesn't exist. Um, and, um, I, I think that um, it is very good uh, when when um, uh, creators can have that, um, and it, it does well for them uh, because it mitigates the risk. Um, but that uh, I'm in a similar boat um, that uh, I've never been in a place where I could do that. That this is um, how I. Um, you know, this is how I provide for my family. This is you know, how I provide for the next project. And so all of my projects have been, here's my concept. This is what I want to do. Do you want to support it? Do you want to be a part of it? Do you want to be on the ground floor influencing it? And, and so that is also um, a lot of the case in, in this one. I've got some monsters already kind of um, uh, created. I've got, you know, uh, I've got one that I've already illustrated specifically for this, that it doesn't exist out there anywhere um, uh, as far as if you want this illustration. In fact, it's the very first illustration on, on, the, uh, on, the, um, on the Kickstarter. Um, that, that, that monster was created specifically for... Um, <laughs> it's a little creature on the guy's head. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I know we'll come back to that. But um, so this, you know, uh, I think for a Kickstarter to be successful um, and, and also to be doing it this way, you're developing a relationship with people and you know, where people understand um, that, uh, you know, that they want to support what you're, what you're trying to create. Um, Kickstarter, the platform was designed for that. And so many, many people do turn it into a, into a, uh, into a storefront. Um, but I can't, 
And, um, and I, I, I totally understand and don't fault anybody that have been burned by, uh, by others. Um, I don't fault them for being wary and not, not supporting people because of the bad interactions. Um, but for, for, for others that, that do know me enough and, or, or are willing to take that risk or can see that, you know, I have delivered uh, every single product. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking this money and going on a vacation. Um, I'm actually producing stuff um, that they're willing to do that. You know, I, I, I have, um, I've only had one project where it took me um, a lot longer to finish it. Um, but uh, that uh, that particular project was something that I pioneered and uh, uh, was something that um, I probably won't do again. <laughs> but it, you know, I, I was creating it was my it was my sci-fi one where I created lots of little um, where you, lots of little assets that you could mix and match and and and, and do your own adventure with. And and then on top of that, personal life um, added uh, some. Um, some complications to that and that's mm-hmm. part of the risk of uh um uh, of kickstarter of mm-hmm. projects but uh for me um i will deliver in uh bottom line um and so uh it might take me a, bit, a little bit longer but this time i'm actually uh, i'm coming into i'm stepping into self-publishing and i've got a a um uh an assistant um uh who uh, helps me with my calendars and is, is keeping me on top of things. And in fact, it, um, has allowed me to um, get back um, on track with some other projects that, uh, and so uh, I'm not just coming at this, um, trying to do the same thing again. I'm always looking at, okay, what can I do to make, to be one step better than I was from the last project um, or one step better than I was last year or last month. And so that's a, uh, uh, that's a long, a long way around of saying that um, um, I'm using this platform the way it was designed. I've got a, a, an idea, and if you want, if you want these type of monsters, if you want this type of zine, if you want to see this sort of thing again, um, come on, jump on board, and and uh, and I'll uh, and I'll. This will be number one of many. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Edwin, what what are your thoughts on the ready on launch scenarios going on right now with Kickstarter? I think uh, philosophically, I don't actually have a, a real thought. I agree that uh, Kickstarter is designed for people who need funds to develop their projects. And whether that means uh, they need funds to do the writing, drawing, layout, if it's a book or something, or whether it means they've done all that and they simply need funds to print the book, uh, you know, wherever they are in the process. Uh, I think for me, what the only thing that really matters is the honesty and transparency of the Kickstarter itself that we know as people who are going to support these artists that are going to put our money at risk where the project is and where it's likely to go. I don't, I'm, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't, as I say, I don't have a philosophical feeling that, oh, you got it. I mean, obviously as a backer like you, uh, if somebody says this is done and it's something I want, uh, I'm more likely to support it. But on the other hand, I do often look at Kickstarters and they say, well, this is done. And I was like, well, then why don't you just, you know, <laughs> then you're then you're obviously using Kickstarter simply for its marketing potential, which of course is is a way to use Kickstarter. And it has some pretty, you know, it can have some pretty powerful kick uh, marketing. And then of course you end up paying for that because they take their cut. And so that's that's a reasonable trade is to say, uh-huh. okay, 
let's let Kickstarter market for me and I'll give you my X percent out of the project. Um, but I'm also like, it also, I'm torn, you know, for some of these uh, Kickstarters that are, uh, so just to, just to throw one out there that did reasonably well recently, like the Shadow Dark uh, Kickstarter, you know, I look at that and I think about the platform that it's on and I say, great, they don't need my money. They are, they're going to get, this book is going to get out there. Like, you know, I can decide, do I want to buy this? Do I want to whatever? But the, the sort of moral, the, the emotional thing of I'm helping an artist do something they couldn't otherwise do completely disappears when I see a, a Kickstarter that's, you know, a thousand times over their funding, uh, their funding goal. So there's something funny about the, yeah, the, the sort of emotional energy for me around Kickstarter um, in terms of what it's meant to do in my mind versus how we all use it most of the time. Mm-hmm. No, I 100% agree. Folks, we got Bill Barsh with us all of a sudden. Um, Bill, we were just talking about this phenomenon that's going on right now. It seems to be kind of at least a little more prevalent the last three, four months of people coming to Kickstarter with the project pretty much already done. Uh, what right. are your thoughts so- on that? Well, so so Kickstarter has basically become, as far as the RPG world has come, it's, it's become more of a pre-order um, uh, platform for your, for your business. I mean, I, I, I'm to 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 the most degree. I mean, I think people still do stretch goals and stuff like that to to kind of advance their projects, maybe in different ways. But uh, it's definitely not the old. Um, I have an idea. And I'm going to put it on Kickstarter and see how much money I get and then figure it out after that. It's just that's turned into a very bad business form for Kickstarter. So um, I get it. It works. And I know I got into the tail end of that. What Edwin was saying is you're using Kickstarter to help market your product, which is, you know, it's a necessary evil today. Also, um, along with using backer kit, which we're, we're big fans of a pay setter, but we pretty much do the same thing here. We, our projects are are mostly done before we ever launch anything on Kickstarter. And there's two reasons for that. One, you want to be able to show the prospective customer what you have available um, and that it's going to be a product and they're not just putting money down on some amorphous thing that may or may not actually appear. And then um, it also helps you generate interest because you can show what you're trying to uh, produce. So I, I understand people's look at Kickstarter kind of back in the, the glory days of, Hey, I got an idea, throw me some money and let, and, and we're going to get this together. Um, there's been just way too many failed Kickstarters that have followed that methodology. So I, I get it. I get it. Um, <laughs> it's also let, like, it's let, it's let certain product projects where like, you know, Kickstarter, the idea is that people come in and help you launch your pro- product. Right. So it's, I've got an idea. I've put a lot of it together, but now I need help funding it to get it out the door. Um, and there's some of them that come along that the shadow dark is a, is a perfect example of that. Right. I mean, I, it did almost one point, what a $1.4 million at the end. I think, is that really a $1.4 million Kickstarter? Well, it is cause it did it, but is it really right? I mean, I don't know. You know, Swords and Wizardry just launched again, and uh, you know Matt's project's doing great. I think it's yeah. over seventy grand at this point, maybe eighty. I'm sure this day too. But you know, I, I wish him all the best in the world. We're doing some work on Swords and Wizardry with them. 
I don't think it's going to hit 1.4 million. Interesting times. And it certainly takes um, a lot more investment, even monetarily, um, to get a project to that point. Like you, you've yes. built that, um, that it did one, you know, almost 1.4, but you know, I, I know marketing has already taken a cut, you know, them, them advertising. The money that they, yeah. Uh, uh, significant. So Definitely, I mean, there's, yeah. yeah. Every time you open Facebook, there's, there's five ads for it streaming <laughs> down and, and, you know, we, we know what it costs to do that. We, again, we don't run to that anywhere near that degree. We just don't feel that that's something for us to do. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. And actually, I, I mean, I even, I I guess I actually even like the idea of Kickstarter of, you know, having failed projects because I feel like otherwise, I mean, that's, that's, that is the goal. I mean, that's sort of the the venture capitalist idea, right? You throw your money around and some of them work, some of them don't. Um, and I feel like if we're going to have truly interesting, creative things, people need to have the support to try creative, interesting things. And sometimes if you're pushing that envelope, if you're trying to think outside the box and well, sometimes you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's yeah. obviously there's, there's fraud, which is different. And there's, you know, people who fail because of laziness, which is different. And then there's things that come up from sort of family or health situations and that's obviously real but has nothing to do with the fact that you're trying to be creative but there are also just real honest failures of hey this is my idea and i want to try this and i tried it and it doesn't work and you know we we, i feel like it's nice for us to be able to support that and that there's a a venue for supporting that and i think again it's it's important to be honest about you know, what we think the real I, risks I agree 100%. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, uh, there's a difference, I guess, how, how I look at it. I look at it two different ways. One, I look at it from a game publisher or a publishing company where we use Kickstarter as a marketing and... and yeah, I mean, you, you and I are not using Kickstarter to, to step off the deep end. Right. But as a, as, a, as a backer, I look at it in exactly the way you're talking. I, I like to go into product projects that I may not know a whole lot about or seem interesting to me and... You know, they definitely need that monetary support and I'll back them because to me, it's, you know, you know, you know, I'm blessed and fortunate enough. If I drop a hundred bucks into a Kickstarter and it goes belly up two years from now, uh, you know what, you know, it's unfortunate, but I don't, don't, it's not going to kill me. Okay. But it's worth it to me to invest in some of these smaller Kickstarters or new and up and coming people because I want to see what they've got going on. Yeah, just as much as I invest in people who I know, and, and truth in advertising, I um, I just backed Jay's Kickstarter here, so get on it, people. Ooh, three. Uh, it looks great. So. <laughs> I'm Sixteen. All right. Yeah, no, he's way um, above three people. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so again, it, it is also important for us to support people. I think it, it's a two-way street: to support people who are new and upcoming and have that cool idea. It's also important to, I think, support people who have been around and have shown that they they produce a wonderful product and it's something you know you can use. So it's yeah, definitely. You know, I think I think Kickstarter has really come a long way in fulfilling multiple categories. Um, yeah, Agreed. but you know. There's a danger involved with some stuff always, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, 
bad things happen. Most of them happened a long time ago. It's pretty rare nowadays to see something really go bad. I, I don't think I've seen one in a while. Yeah, I'll tell you, the one thing I love about Kickstarter is it will educate you on how much you don't know about what will succeed and what won't succeed. Because there's so many things I look at and go, man, that is there's there's probably only five people on the planet that want something like that. And then the next day it's like hitting 30 grand or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I yeah, well, we were just talking about again, I'm not. I'm not trying to dog it all at all. It's, it's spectacular. But we're just talking about Shadow Dark, right? I mean, would anyone, when that first launched, I mean, I think I saw it when it first launched, that I think that was going to have 12,000 backers or whatever it had, not in a million years. Mm-hmm. Not in a million years. Um, but it did, right? Um, yeah. You know, it's crazy I mean, what, what something can do. When I'm thinking of, like, you know, things to write, things to produce, like, a fantasy setting, a fantasy role-playing game is the very bottom of that bucket. I'm like, I would not take a chance on that. That That is some right. steep competition. And yet, boom, they knock it out of the park. Why? Out of the park. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Lightning in a bottle. It's similar if you look back at, like, OSE, right? I mean, um, BX Essentials had, you know, which was the name prior to them changing it to, you know, yeah. OSE. Um, they ran at least two Kickstarters I know. Didn't come anywhere near the numbers that OSC hit. You know, maybe ten percent of that of that number. They had over seven hundred thousand with OSC. I, I don't know that that BX Essentials ever did over fifty, sixty, seventy thousand. Memory serves. I mean, I don't. Those are still great numbers. Don't get me wrong, but mm. go from seventy five thousand to seven hundred fifty thousand. That's a step, yeah, right? And that doesn't happen very often. Um, uh, I you know I've had two. Kickstarters that I consider um, to have been failures. Um, and now I've delivered on both. Um, and and I, I, I agree that you, if you're going to back something, you know, look at the risks. What are, what are the actual risks that are, that are at stake? And um, one of them I consider you know, easy to consider a failure because um, it didn't, it didn't fund. Uh, and I canceled it um, because, uh, and I was, I was trying something new. I was trying to, uh, create 3D printable miniatures. I had someone reach out to me who wanted to use my artwork to create 3D miniatures. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going I'm to try and help somebody um, get their foot in the door. Um, and so uh, I worked with him um, uh, to, to be able to create that. Uh, but um, it went, we did launch it a second time and it, and it just barely funded. Uh, but, you know, I learned from that, you know, that, that my, my market is not 3D miniatures that, you know, and so, um, I had people support it because uh, they, they want to support me. They wanted some of the things that, that came out of it. But um, I consider that one to have been a failure in the sense of it didn't fund the first time. It was barely funded the second time. Uh, but I learned from it that I, I need to, you know, uh, my w- knowing your audience is, is super important. And, and so um, that's my, my first one. The second one, um, I mentioned earlier, it was my, my sci-fi uh, stock art. I wanted to try something new and, and because of Kickstarter, I could, and, and there was a lot of support for it to be able to have something that lets you mix and match, um, stock illustrations. And I've got, I've got some really wonderful assets as, as a result of it, but because of the, um, uh, the risks involved in that one, you know, um, I didn't realize, you know, just how much extra work trying to create, you know, it's one thing to create one illustration. It's another thing to create, 
multiple asset aspects of that creation. So it can be interchanged with other things. And so, um, um, I, I had really gracious, um, supporters who understood what I was doing, that, um, it did take longer than I anticipated. And, and also the, you know, as I mentioned previously, uh, some personal things that, that, uh, that prolonged it, but, um, uh, I want to be a man of integrity. And so whether, whether it does take me longer or, uh, or not, um, my only risk there was time. Um, uh, that, that, and so I'm now stepping into something new um, where I do, I do have one additional you know, um, risk and that I need, I need funds to be able to actually print these and send these out. Um, but I've, I've set my, my goal high enough to be able to, uh, to take that uh, and, and, and still be able to make this a viable product. So. Well, so, so all of us, have, and it's, it's, one, it's amazing for you to step up and say things like that, James. Um, all of us who have done Kickstarters um, have had our ups and downs. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how many you've done. You have the ups and downs. Sometimes it's your control. Sometimes it isn't. Uh, COVID created a mess, right, with a, with a whole bunch of people's Kickstarters. I, I, um, for me, I'm one of those backers. When I back a Kickstarter... I'm probably like the favorite backer of everybody because I'll back a Kickstarter and I'll never go back and check on it. I honestly, for me to, I just don't. Um, when it comes, it's like Christmas, right? So it's like, oh yeah, I remember back in that three years ago, school finally came or, you know, it shows up really quick. I, I'm, I'm, this is how I am, but, um, but, you know, people like you, I mean, I, I think for our listeners out there, they should be confident that, you know, they back your Kickstarter, you're going to deliver um, you're, you're out there, you come to game conventions, you know, people get to meet you face to face. I mean, these are all important things. And I think that that helps in sort of that, um, the wasteland that can be Kickstarters. There's a lot, <laughs> we all know there's a lot, but, um, you know, when you got people, uh, supporting you and, and, and sharing your, your Kickstarter things, I think that always goes a long way. And you should, for anyone out there, you should always look to have people help you do that okay it doesn't matter how big or small you are uh find find people that you know that are willing to give you a little bit you know even just to share on on a social media platform somewhere um it always helps it, it does sure. um it kind of shows who you are and what you're doing so i know we're, we're getting towards the end of our time here and i want to uh, hit a few more details before we we close up um what 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 are you shooting for size wise on this on the zine you know page count and then also are, do you have any stretch goals I, I I didn't want to take too much time away from the program looking at my phone to see the the page there so so tell us uh, you know that that kind of information so this is designed to be digest size we we, we covered that previously um, uh, I am um, I'm uh, I'm going to have fifty monsters and uh, what we said earlier it's one per page. I'm not doing, you know, uh, I, I don't like um, some, some, some layouts can, can, can do well uh, having multiples on a page. But typically, typically for me, what I found when you do that means that some monsters don't get illustrated. And for me, it's super important that a monster has a visual component. Um, uh, otherwise, it's very nebulous. The world, um, uh, the, the world gets populated uh, by illustrations. Um, uh, for instance, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier the rifts, you know, I, I got into that, but the world came alive because I, I looked at the artwork. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, that's, uh, um, sorry, I got distracted there. Um, uh, so it's going to be 50 pages. 
and um, you you had asked a certain another aspect of the question. There was um, one. Kicks or uh, I'm sorry, any stretch goals or anything like that? Yeah, um, uh, I I'm not against stretch goals, um, but I I've learned that um, if you if you plan too much for those, mm-hmm. it, they can get way out of hand. Um, there are a few stretch goals that um, I'm willing to um, look at and consider. Um, and I would love to be able to offer um, a color, um, but that's good. That'd be kind of a very far drawing 50 illustrations is going to be uh, a big thing. Uh, not that I'm not going to draw every single one of them. Some of them will be existing pieces, but I'm, I'm committed to at least 40 brand new illustrations. Uh, that's a big pro, uh, uh, that's a, a big goal to, to hit. So, um, uh, I am open to uh, to that. Um, I'm not going to increase page count. I know that I know what that does to people. Uh, so I'm I'm looking at about 56 pages. Um, so that's um, um, so that's the that's the the size wise. That's the that's the stretch goals. Um, and, and folks, it's fifteen dollars for the print. <laughs> I mean. Like you can't. That's that's a phenomenal price for that many monsters. I got to say. Yeah, man. hop in, I, hop in. I now. was thinking we're talking like you know twenty or so, but oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, I gave you a hint that um, I, I want these to be. Um, uh, this this is not number one of two or one or you know that um, <laughs> I, I want to be able to create. Um, you know, I want these to be actual good resources and eventually be able to collect them into some sort of omnibus or something. Um, and so having, having the, the, the goal of 50, 50 monsters, I think is going to um, provide, uh, provide a very good uh, resource for, for people to use. Guys, uh, ton of value in this Kickstarter. I, like I said, I, I, I jumped all, all in on the thing and looks great. And uh, I know it's, you're going to deliver because you're, that's how you are. Um, so if you're out there listening, people, back this Kickstarter and then share it to your pro, one of your profiles. It, it helps all of us. It does help everyone in the industry. Um, and it keeps Jay working on some amazing stuff because uh, his art's fantastic. And, and I know I own an email because we talked last year at NTX I think about we have Gamma X coming out and getting here and getting a few pieces for us. So, um, so now I'm publicly saying I'm going to get around to that, but. <laughs> well, I'll get uh, I'll get my art director Ben on on all that because he's more organized than I am. Awesome. All right. Any other questions, guys? Before we wrap up. Good. This is awesome. All right, folks. So, yeah, sorry, uh, sorry to jump in late, guys. Oh no, I'm glad to have you. Before we ended here, mm-hmm. uh, so folks, if you're out there right now, yeah, click on uh, Kickstarter. Uh, look up Mace Monster Assortment and Character Encounters. Um, just, just back it. I mean, it's it's a no brainer for for what it's going to cost you, and uh, it's you, you got basically first edition stats in there and OSC stats. I mean, it's kind of that that nice BX sort of you know plays across so many different systems. Um, it's great stuff. James, thank you for having or for having us. <laughs> thank you for <laughs> being on our show. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm really glad that uh, you let me know that you were uh, you know getting back into the, the industry as, as a content producer. And uh, I, I wish the best of luck to you, man. I, I think, uh, you know, the great things are in your future here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, and I appreciate you allowing me to come on just uh, and talk about this. Mm-hmm. 
just within this what hour that we've been talking about, I'm at six seventy one of my four thousand goals. So I'm confident we're gonna awesome. we're gonna fund. Yeah. And I'm, we're gonna, yeah. You're gonna get there. You're gonna get well. There. What my, my ideally what I want is to be able to this allow allow to set up for the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but but yes, awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate awesome. it. Take care. Fantastic, man. All right, Thank folks. It's been another one-shot episode of This Old Dungeon. We'll be back with a regular episode uh, coming up this next month. Until then, uh, this is Lau Lu. Happy gaming. This is Edwin. Have a good gaming. Bill, take care, guys. And James, thank you so much. You have been listening to This Old Dungeon, a podcast about reviewing and renovating great adventures and rule sets from throughout the annals of gaming. The views expressed by the hosts are simply that and shouldn't be taken with any serious amount of gravity. This program is copyright 2023. Happy gaming!